0: so exciting that every now and then we have children here and I I see some children and uh, are there any children here who like animals? Animals, yeah, yeah. Love going to the zoo, love considering pets at home and um, spiritually speaking uh, there are a lot of animal illustrations. Uh, For example, uh, we are known as sheep. That's that's followers. Uh, We follow the great good shepherd uh, Jesus Christ. Um, But there's also lion Um, and 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 what sticks out in my mind is who this lion is, and it's, it's the devil. The devil is known as a lion who wants to rip you apart. Um, now, the question is, you know, how does he want to rip you apart? What's interesting is that we don't see the devil, the lion, on like the street corner, physically trying to attack you. That'd be terrifying. But do you know where he does try to attack you? Right there. The devil is known as a mental terrorist. That if he's a lion, his roaming, his prowling around goes on in our thoughts. And so what I love about our second lesson is that God gives us these tools to get our thoughts straight. Most importantly, the word of God that can fend off the lion who wants to attack us. The lion who is what some have referred to as a mental terrorist. Uh, We consider this as we look to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll also consider this in the sermon for tonight. Um, uh, as far as how we fend off the lion. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every potential that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient obedient. Christ. How do you conquer the line? You take capture your thoughts and make it obedient to Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Life is filled with emotions and emotional days. Sometimes the emotions are so intense that it sears certain days and certain memories in our minds. For example, do you remember where you were and what you were doing on 9 11? Absolutely. I remember being in the college dormitory and going to the library and seeing the Twin Towers shaken, and, and why do I remember that so much? Because my emotions were so high, seared into my memory, was scared uh, about the future and, and sorrow for what had happened in, in New York. Perhaps some of you remember your wedding day for the birth of a baby. I think the birth of Bella and Nadia, I still remember uh, you, Mechwan, and you, Silver Cross, it doesn't exist anymore, and the joy of holding a child, um, never forget, heightened emotions makes you remember. It's why we remember the hard days. If you've ever had a tough job, tough day at the job, if you've ever been to a funeral, those things are seared into your memory. Why? Be- because the emotions, they're so hot. And you just can't forget. Now, because life is filled with emotions and emotional days, it also means that sometimes we don't handle our emotions very well. We all know what it is to fly off the handle emotionally. We all know what it is to work with those people or live with those people or be around those people. You, you know that boss, you know that teacher, you know that mom or dad, that, that cousin who is, is someone who can just blow up at any time. A professor in college, we call him the powder keg. And so we know what it is to walk around on eggshells. Hopefully that person is doing okay today uh, and we'll try not to set them off because we know what happens if they fly off the handle. We know what happens if their emotions get too much. Now, as we set the stage for this series, we're going to talk a lot about emotions. And the first takeaway that we want to consider is just this, that emotions, they are a gift from God. Emotions are a great thing. To to be able to experience those mountaintop days, that's a wonderful thing. For example, when when I have a sweet treat like a poochki or however you pronounce that Polish thing, and and to have the taste buds that combine with, with how fun that is to eat, that's a great day. I love it, going on vacation or being on the beach and having the sun come down, to to know the joy of those emotions are really, really good from God. And those negative emotions that sometimes we want to avoid, they're actually a gift from God. They remind us that there's something wrong in this world. If we react and, and we say it's okay, you know, that, that certain things happen. Let, let's say we're, we're trying to numb ourselves from the pain of, of, of losing someone. Uh, God has given us that to, to remind us we care for people. And to the degree that we feel that pain of loss is the degree that we cared for them. It's okay that you feel sad when someone's gone. Or what about anger? Is there ever an appropriate place for anger? I, I think when we look at certain things that happen in this world whether it be sex trafficking whether it be child abuse whether it be all the different things that could happen in this world it's okay that every now and then we're angry about it it'd be bad if if again we tried to get away from those emotions it tells us something's wrong but the question is how do we handle our emotions How do we make sure we're not the one flying off the handle? How do we make sure we're contained and and self-controlled when it comes to this? Now, it's funny because I think our society more than ever has possible solutions for what to do with emotions. I think we're a society that has learned how to self-medicate in various different ways. You have drugs, alcohol, and in this country, um, in the state, something else. We have prescription drugs that doctors are more than free to hand out, and, and there might be a time for those, and, 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 and that's not always bad, but, but what do we do with our emotions? Is numbing the answer? Is escaping the answer? You know, this is actually an age-old problem. I was reading from Martin Luther in preparation for tonight, and uh, he remembers a time where, where he thought if you're a really spiritual person, you would be kind of stoic, emotionless, in, in fact, here's the quote that came from my reading. It said, Monks wanted to turn men to blocks and stones without feeling. The devil wanted to be, it to be praised, that they would be moved by no kind of affections. And yet, God wants our nature to be preserved, not destroyed. He commands us to improve it, that it be, may become purer and purer. I don't know about you, but I agree with Martin Luther. I don't think the goal is that we would just be numb. The goal that we would just be even-keeled throughout everything. No, I think the highs and the lows, they're okay. But what I do believe in, and wrapping up the next point, is this, that that I think emotions need to be managed by the Word of God. That we have a tool given. You know, part of my background is learning a little bit more about emotional health um, in a coaching network called Train. And, and there we focus a lot on this because this is where a lot of the spiritual warfare is going on. Um, and, and what we've uh, categorized is, is how it kind of works in our lives. There's a progression of, of things that happen. Um, that in life, uh, there are events. Let's say snow falls down. And to those events, there are interpretations. Now, people interpret different events differently. Uh, For example, children who are hoping for a snow day really love seeing the snow and say, yes, this is great, snow some more, right? Those who have to drive in it or maybe are plowing it or shoveling it, they might have a different interpretation of the same event. An event happens, you have an interpretation that leads to an emotion, if it's a snow day and now you get to go sledding because there's all snow or you have a snow day, that, that's awesome. Um, that, that event of snow has, has created joy. Not so much if you're driving in it. And finally what happens is there is a behavior that's attached. That the emotions that are in us will lead us to do certain things or not to do certain things. I think the critical part of this progression Is right here. That certain events are bound to happen in our lives, and it is our responsibility to take hold of the interpretation. Because it is the interpretation that will lead to different emotions. Now what I love was one of our lessons today, uh, talking about how that we stay spiritually healthy mentally. And I want to refer back to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, where it said this, it said, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. So what do we do? When it comes to an event, we interpret it through the lens of God. So now what happens? It could be I get a pay raise. My interpretation, yay, I get some more money. But it's balanced because I've learned money's not the only thing. Just more of God's money to manage. An event happens, I lose my job. Interpretation, God still got me. He does. This hurts. I don't know what's going to happen, but God has promised to provide, and, and He does know what's happening in my future. He works all for the good, so my interpretation from the lens of God will lead to different emotions if I let the Word of God speak there. Snow days, one way or the other, interpret from the lens of the Word of God my God is in heaven, he does whatever pleases him. If he wants me to go to school or work, that's just fine. But interpretation is so key in managing the emotions God gave us and wrestling with what happened through the lens of God's word. You know, on Facebook, I I saw something that I think speaks to this. Um, I, I love... I love this quote. I've seen it just going around Facebook. It says, when when the Bible says, do not lean on your understanding, the Bible's being serious. Your heart is deceitful. Your emotions fluctuate. Your understanding does not see the overall big picture. God never lies. God never changes. God knows all. Trust him. For us to manage our emotions, how much do we have to go back to God? Trust him and get his read and get his lens. So, this Ash Wednesday, we are beginning our series called All the Feels. And if you don't know what that means, it might mean that that has aged you because it's the thing young kids say uh, when something evokes a lot of emotion. Um, All the Feels is what uh, Blackhawks fans feel when they win a Stanley Cup. All the Feels is what happens when you watch the show This Is Us, or The Notebook, or Titanic. All the feels means something is again drawing out all of our emotion. And and the reason this is so appropriate for the time we're in biblically and, and in the church is that Lent is a time of emotion. I don't know if you've ever been to a Good Friday service where you had all the feels. Such heightened emotion that you remember exactly where you were. I remember being in St. Stephen's Beaver Dam, and the lights were turned off in the sanctuary, looking out the windows. This was a somber moment as I saw the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. or Easter, talk about all the feels. What greater joy is possible than Easter. And so I remember being in uh, St. Mark's Watertown and this huge church once again and the trumpets blaring and and walking out and and wondering, could I really feel any better than this? Because I just considered the most magnificent thing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the conqueror. Talk about all the feels. And so in these next weeks, during this journey of Lent, we see that Jesus had emotions. The Son of God, just like us. The Son of God who got sad and angry, who got overwhelmed. The Son of God who was betrayed and abandoned. The Son of God who felt what we feel, just like us, so He could relate. You know, when we interpret the events of our life, one of the things that God allows us to interpret is to know that He knows. The interpretation is that whatever event just happened, if no one understands, He does. He was made just like us. And we consider this as we read from the Word of God. Tonight we, we look at the, the book of Hebrews. And we'll talk a little bit more about the book of Hebrews, uh, but here are some uh, key passages we're going to hone in on. Uh, Hebrews 4 says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you will be found to have fallen short of it. For we have also had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. And we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. These are the powerful words we consider. If someone sitting next to you, can you tell them Jesus knows? Jesus knows? You know, it was a couple years ago, that I sat down with a young man and I knew I was kind of the last resort for his faith walk. This was a young man who was struggling with a certain sin, who had grown up in the Christian faith, knew the Bible in and out, but now was not turning away but rather giving in to sin. I was the third pastor in the progression of pastors to meet with this person and I, I didn't ask him what he thought about this, this topic, this sin. Rather, I asked him one singular question because this was my concern. After he'd gone off to college and he didn't dig in, you know, to hear the word of God and he pretty much gave way to this sin, I, I simply asked him after that experience, how is your relationship with Jesus? See, see I had known we're all sinners, but, but how are you connecting with Jesus? After candid conversation, I quickly learned he didn't care. His goals had changed. No longer were his eyes on eternity. Rather, his goal after coming away from this college was uh, to build a legacy, to live a good earthly life so that people will remember him someday. When it came to church and when it came to God, it didn't matter. The reason I bring this up is because I learned something about impenitence. And I I learned that that sometimes impenitence can lead us away from God. Now that is important because Lent is a time to repent. In fact, we can repent daily. We can close every night and say, Lord, there's something I didn't get right and, and you forgive me, but now lead me out of that into something new. It's something we do before communion. I'm sorry, forgive me, but lead me into something new. And the reason I bring this up is because in our lesson, it talked about this idea that there is rest for God's people, but not all enter the rest. And that's a shame, isn't it? There is rest sealed by the blood of Jesus for all who believe, but not all enter that rest. The first verse, it said this, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. And one way that I believe you can fall short of it is through impenitence because impenitence leads you to loving sin more than your Savior. And I don't know if you've seen it or if your heart has been the same way. Maybe you've been tempted at one time or another to say, God, I don't care what you think on this. I'm doing me. We can all relate to that struggle in one way or another. which is why it's good to be here. Which is why it's good to daily and regularly repent. And then I consider our topic of emotions. And I don't know about you, but I think more and more often we deal with people who are angry at God. Have you met these people? And maybe they don't say it that way, but they're angry. You have a family member, a friend, someone who's pretty much shut the door because they had an event in their life that they interpreted a certain way that led to an emotion and now a behavior. Something none of us get away with is suffering. We all have this part of our story uh, that was really, really hard. We all know what tragedy is in one degree or another, whether through a sickness or a death, uh, whether something that we just thought was totally unfair, and so do the people around us. And, And if we have these events without the interpretation of the word of God. It can lead to just anger against the Son of God and the church and God himself and walking away. Do you know what I'm talking about? So often I meet with people, I have discussions on suffering. And so what I've learned is that if we're going to collectively repent about something during this time, I think that if not for you, our nation needs to repent about its anger towards God. I think we live in a culture more than ever that says, I have the right to be mad at you. And, and, and sometimes I wonder how we got there. Why, why, why does this happen? And the answer I found... they stopped looking at Jesus. They stopped either in that moment or the next year remembering what the story is all about. Because if you see the story of his passion, you have a radically different interpretation over suffering you have this understanding that as much as I have suffered, it is nothing, absolutely not a drop in the bucket compared to what Jesus suffered out of love for me. Did you see it in the lesson? So I I need to explain what's going on in the lesson, the the beauty of what's going on. Oh, the book of Hebrews is beautiful uh, because the book of Hebrews is about how the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of all the things that would be in Jesus. Jesus. The Old Testament, its system of, of prayers, um, they, they had a priest who would pray for them. And, and this priest would be the mediator so that when you come to church, the priest would pray and that would be your access to God, that, that priest. And it was all just a picture of Jesus. Jesus. That Jesus, by establishing a new covenant, gave us new mediation. In fact, in 1 Timothy it says, now there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Do you know right now, as a Christian, your prayers are just as effective as my prayers? How beautiful is the new covenant? Or then you look at the Old Testament and and all of these sacrifices that were going on. I mean, to worship in the Old Testament is just crazy to me uh, because they would come with the bulls and the goats and the doves and the priest who was basically the butcher would slit the throat and sprinkle the blood and and burn it up on the altar, right? That would have been memorable worship. But what they realized was that sin needed sacrifice. Sin needed sacrifice. Every time I sin, I, I incur a debt that needs to be paid for and only the the, the blood of something else can pay for what I did wrong. But the book of Hebrews tells us this was a foreshadowing. See, See, in this book it says, it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared. The body of Christ. This huge foreshadowing. And that's what we observe, isn't it, on Good Friday? That's, that's what we're going to observe in Jesus' journey to the cross. And so we see Isaiah put it so beautifully in chapter 53. This, this is what Jesus did. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we're healed. Our society's taken its eyes off the suffering of Jesus. Have you? In your suffering, have you, when life's not going your way? You know, the funny thing about pain is that pain internalizes. When I'm in pain, it's very hard for me to focus on anyone else. And so sometimes, even in our own suffering, we fail to see how far Jesus went for our sakes. And yet this season strikes us right between the nose, and it reminds us exactly of the cost. In fact, I love the words of this hymn, Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted. Hear these words, it says, If you think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here you see the nature rightly, here its guilt may estimate, mark the sacrifice appointed, see who bears the awful load. Tis the word the Lord's anointed, Son of man and Son of God. Why do we misinterpret what we go through, I think we misinterpret our sufferings if we don't first interpret His. How could we ever know that God loves us? How could we ever know that God is not punishing us? How could we ever know that God is on our side when the events of our life don't seem to tell us that, We have one resounding picture. This is how we know. Barring everything else, this is how we know the great lengths of the love of God. That Jesus said, I love you this much, and died. And so we first must see what he endured. To interpret rightly what we endure and or go through. And it is then that I think we start managing our emotions a little bit better. It is then that I think we are better counselors to our friends and our neighbors who are going through their own sufferings if we point them to Jesus and the lengths of his love. It is then that we have the true peace of God for all that we go through. Jesus is our great empathizer. Have you ever needed empathy? I think we all want to be known. We all want to be understood. But so often we do doubt, does anyone really know? Does anyone really understand? I don't know about you, but the height of misunderstanding for me was as a teenager. When I was a teenager, I thought my parents were aliens. They could never understand what I was going through. What I was going through was so far superior than anything they had experienced thus far. They would never relate to my life, right? And I'm not sure if it was just my natural rebellion, I'm not sure if it was just a different age, but the funny thing that happens over time is that as I grow into adulthood, I look back at all the things that happened during a teenage life, and whether it be heartaches or breakups, I start finally listening to the stories that my parents had, and my parents had very, very similar experiences. If I were but listening, my parents knew what I was going through because they'd been there. There's power in in being understood. In fact, uh, one of the things I've experienced as a pastor, if you've never been involved in a group, one of the greatest things you can learn is that you're normal, that your experience is normal, that you are not some isolated suffering victim, but that there are many people who have experienced what you've experienced and handled it with the Word of God. That's one of the most phenomenal things you can learn in a group. I consider of a great group uh, starting in uh, Crete right now. Um, it's for those who have um, suffered through uh, various forms of domestic abuse. And one of the great things to know uh, for for those people is that they are not alone. That this is something you can handle through the Word of God and the lens of God. There are groups that talk about what it's like to be in financial struggle. To go through a divorce to have bad health circumstances or to say goodbye to someone that they love. And one of the most powerful things that you can hear is me too. I understand. One of the great speakers on the topic of empathy is Dr. Brene Brown. And uh, she put it this way. She said two of the most powerful words we can hear in a struggle is me too. Which is why i love the series that we're going to start because on every turn whether it's being humiliated or honored whether it's being abandoned or betrayed whether it's being sad or angry you're going to find jesus show up to you and say me too i know that one Hebrews 4.15 We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are yet did not sin yet did not sin and how awesome that he earned the right to be called Savior not only through his death on the cross, which paid our penalty, but also through his perfection, which is credited to us through faith. How awesome that he went through emotional turmoil, never flying off the handle, being that perfect example and Savior to us. As we look at Jesus during Lent, may he refine our faith. May he lead us to days where we're flying less off the handle as we manage our emotions with the word of God. And may you resoundingly hear from Jesus, your Savior. You know what you're experiencing? Yeah, me too. Amen.